Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, June 9th, 2019. This is episode 140. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Eric Brad. One of the great joys of my life is bringing home a new puppy. I'm always delighted and amazed to watch this new life come into my home and discover the things in their world for the first time. Especially in that first year, it's a process of watching my puppy grow, discovering the kind of dog she will become, and what her personality will be like. One of the challenges for us in bringing home a new dog is choosing a breeder. We're looking for someone who takes great care to put together all of the right genetic material to produce a healthy, happy, well-balanced dog. But it isn't just about genetics. There's a lot of learning to be done between when the puppies are born and when we'll bring them home. So it's important to us that our puppies come from a breeder that can expose them to a variety of sights and sounds to give them a solid start in life. Basically, it comes down to nature and nurture. We want the genetics to be good, but we also want to make sure that we give our puppies a good start by teaching them and providing them a good environment. So which is more important, nature or nurture, the genetics or the environment a dog is raised in? Well, that's an interesting question to explore, and I did just that in my essay, Adventures in Puppyhood, Nature and Nurture in Dogs. Over the years, we have had several new puppies in our home. It's always fun discovering all the quirks of each new and unique personality. Much of what we find in our new pups is not entirely unexpected. And, to a certain degree, that new puppy personality that comes into our lives is also ours to shape in some important ways. But how much of the dog that this puppy will become will be in their genetics, and how much will be influenced by us? The nature versus nurture debate has raged for decades, but science is shedding some interesting new light on the subject, at least when it comes to dogs. Every new puppy is an adventure. As we discovered with our dog Tiramisu back in 2004, you can teach a puppy a great deal even at the age of 8 or 9 weeks old. And with each puppy, the debate surfaces again. How much is nature and how much is nurture? How much of what our puppy will grow up to become is determined by his genetics and breeding? And how much will depend on the training and experience that he gets both with the breeder when he is very young, and with us as he grows to maturity. For a long time, the dog community has relied on temperament testing of puppies to determine the general personality of a dog. Is he aggressive or shy or outgoing? Temperament testing attempts to make assessments of a puppy's personality at six to eight weeks of age so that they can be placed in homes best suited to raising that dog. But I have some questions about that. Are genetics considered? Is the testing environment suitable and standardized from litter to litter? 
Should the pronouncements made at seven or eight weeks of age dictate how the dog will be characterized for its entire life? Breeders do their best to match pups to prospective homes, but there is only so much that temperament testing and assessment of young pups can do to determine the best match for placing a dog in a particular home. Trainer and author Jean Donaldson says in her book, Oh, Behave, that a dog's owners are the single greatest influence on a dog's personality and temperament. Our dogs spend so much of their time around us, and they are always watching us. Is it any wonder that our personality traits will affect them and their character? Before we get too far down the nurture road, let's give genetics their due. There are now over 400 different recognized breeds of purebred dog. Each has its own characteristics and was selected for particular reasons. Size, color, coat, working function, structure, and so on. For example, the Shetland Sheepdog is known for being a talkative breed that barks a lot. This is because the Shetland Sheepdog was selectively bred to herd sheep using sound. They bark to move the sheep. The size of the breed will also play an important role. Larger dogs tend to have shorter lifespans and develop differently and at different rates than do the smaller breeds. Breeding for a particular structure can also affect the character and behavior of a dog. For example, Basset Hounds have much less mobility than Border Collies, and so they have different needs for exercise and activity. Science has made some attempts to track the genetics of personality traits like friendliness. The experiments of Dmitry Balyaev on selectively breeding foxes in the 1950s produced an astonishing discovery. Balyaev was selecting only particular foxes for the behavioral aspect of tameness. He was successful, but his breeding program not only produced tamer foxes, these same foxes were also changing physically from the original breeding stock with each successive generation. Clearly, the biochemistry that controlled behavior was somehow linked to the biochemical system that controlled physical traits as well. We can extrapolate from Balyaev's experiments that the reverse of this must also be true. Selecting for physical traits must also have an effect on the biochemistry of behavior in different dog breeds. This means that while a Yorkshire Terrier and a German Shepherd are both dogs, the biology that produces their different size, their different coat, their coloring and structure will also likely produce different behavior characteristics. So on some level, a dog is not just a dog. Breed fanciers have known this for centuries. But now, science has the ability to back up their experience with research. For me, there is something special about the personality of Belgian Shepherds that I just love. While all of the Belgian Shepherds that I've met have been unique individuals with their own personalities, they all share some wonderful traits in common. A wonderful sense of mischief and playfulness, and a desire to use their brains, for example. It's what attracted me to this breed in the first place as I'm sure other dog owners are attracted to Golden Retrievers or West Highland Terriers for their own reasons. So how much of your dog's personality came to you in the box with their genetic material, and how much is the product of the upbringing that you give them? Estimates can vary significantly. 
Talk to anyone who has adopted a rescue dog and seen the tremendous change that can happen in a dog's behavior, and they will tell you that genetics plays a minimal role. Training and environment have a massive impact on a dog. By contrast, talk to a breeder, and they will tell you of the painstaking research done to produce dogs of particular structure and temperament. That genetics plays a large role in the eventual personality of a dog. The careful pairing of dogs with just the right mix of physical and temperamental characteristics can produce happy, confident, and healthy dogs. The genetics have a massive impact on a dog. And then there are the experiences that a dog goes through while growing up that are out of the control of either the breeders or the owners. Those things that just happen. So it seems that the personality that will determine who your dog will become is much like a soup. A little of this and a little of that, and you end up with a dog of a certain personality. If we break it down, the genes give us some, and the behavioral influences of training and the environment also give us some. But is it strictly a matter of chance, just a roll of the dice? For us, each new puppy is our own personal behavioral laboratory. How much do we influence this puppy's character? Do we have the power to turn him into an aggressive attack dog or a mushy cuddle pup? Just what aspects of character are influenced by us, and which are controlled by the genetics? From the day they arrive, each new puppy is different from our previous dogs. Where one puppy might be standoffish and check everything out from a distance before approaching, the next puppy may charge at the world full blast with a kind of meet first and ask questions later attitude. Our last six dogs have been Belgian shepherds, and yet it seems that even at eight weeks of age, there were pronounced differences in the personality of each puppy. Our experience in raising Mario. Showed us that we had tremendous influence in taking a reluctant and shy puppy and turning him into a mostly confident and outgoing dog. Those who work with rescue dogs will share similar stories of affecting the personality of even adult dogs who are shy and cautious. We were also able to influence the personalities of our boisterous, playful, and intense dogs. All of our dogs have adapted to our home and our lifestyle. With our help and guidance. So, what does this all mean? Nature, nurture. To us, it means that while our Belgian shepherds will always come with certain behavioral tendencies, we always have an opportunity to have an important influence in producing a dog that will fit perfectly into our life and our home. Understanding the breed we selected is the first step, but knowing the breeder. And learning what we can about what they are trying to produce genetically takes us further toward understanding the puppy that we will be getting. Once our puppy comes to live with us, our understanding of behavioral science and training comes into play. We like to create a positive and rich learning environment for our dogs. That gives us the ability to shape the puppy's intelligence and emotional balance as they grow with us. There is a wealth of information available in books, videos, and on internet sites to help dog owners get a better sense of how to work with their dogs to give them a rich, fun, and stimulating start to their lives. For us, 
the use of positive reinforcement training and a reliance on behavioral science has taken most of the mystery and guesswork out of raising our dogs. It's become an adventure for us instead of a string of accidents and achievements. We actively shape our dogs from what they have in their genetic material, and we do our best to make them the best dogs that they can be. It's not just about the mark and reward training that we use to teach behaviors, but a whole approach to the lifestyle that we want to have with our dogs. We try to understand our dogs for who they are and work with them to encourage the traits and behaviors that will make them successful in their lives with us. It's an approach that has served us very well and has allowed us to love our dogs for what they truly are, instead of alternating between being very disappointed and very amazed by our dogs. In the end, it doesn't take that much work to understand our dogs. A little learning has gone a long way for us. We look forward to watching each of our new dogs develop and enjoying the personalities that they will eventually become. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. <laughs>